Welcome back to Weebology, everybody. I am your uh, a little salty, Professor Ricky. Just a just a hair salty. <laughs> okay, he's salty, and I'm Ethan. <laughs> I was giggling up top because I was expecting claps, which is how we sync our audio. But instead, I got very soft pew 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 pews. I like a really. Uh... I did clap. <laughs> you did clap. You did clap. Yeah. After the pews, yeah, accurate. You, you were pe- you were pew forward. Yeah, I just uh, I was. I don't hate it. I was messing with my There's... mic volume. We're on the same room this week, folks. So um, yeah, I was messing with my volume because it's it's much higher than normal because uh, we're not obviously there's no crosstalk, right? So yeah, we can have that high fidelity shit without uh, each other just getting in each other's way, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, Salty, let me break it down for you, my boy, because this <laughs> pertains to you as well. I guess we'll find out. You know, <laughs> I think it's uh, any, any anime and sports fan in the student community may be pretty aware of me and Ethan's sports affiliations, very Pittsburgh forward, uh, in no small measure, Steelers boys, you know, obviously concur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, my wonderful girlfriend woke up today with no lead up, barely a good morning, and just starts clowning, clowning on the Steelers. They're bad. I mean, bringing what up, can you say? Bringing up old scars. Like, I'm, I'm, I was flabbergasted. She woke up and chose violence. I mean, but here's the thing. She's a Giants fan. I mean, so I'm, I, I'm literally <laughs> sitting here with an arsenal and she's over there with a top with like a, a pea shooter. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's not ideal. <laughs> <laughs> I even told her, like, do you really want to be in this position right now? Right. I, I do not have to look up too many facts. Like, I think they had two or three winning seasons in the same time frame about a decade. Then we have had no losing seasons. Our worst have been flat eight eight. Yeah, I don't know. And I was I th- coming at her with it. Yeah, I mean they've won the same amount of Super Bowls recently, right? So that's true. Yeah, you know there there is that. And- but like they won on seasons when they were like complete dog shit until the playoffs, which doesn't matter. But it is kind of like a, you know, if you're winning off hail mary passes and stuff, it's like. Not exactly yeah. a great team. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like you said, those seasons make for a good stat line for those years. But she did bring up one particular aspect, I think, that there is some merit to it. They did uh, take down the Patriots twice in the Super Bowl in modern times. I mean, I'll give them props for that 100%. Yeah. Because I, yeah, I so definitely hate the Patriots, so there is right. that. And They've always somehow in the last 15 years had our number. So, you know, and to, to, like I said, you came in hot. You have chosen to die in a hill that I don't think you should have ever started living on. It's, it's just simply not a net, uh, an argument that makes much sense because, like, how infrequently is, like, a Giants versus Steelers game, like, extremely important, right? Right. That's a, that's a really good point. And that's what I was telling her. Like, 
it there it's apples and oranges and i mean it, it just doesn't it just doesn't add up so i mean that's the one thing you know they it, the one thing i will give the giants is you know they came in hot and they beat the patriots not once but twice and they were in that exact moment for that very small window of time twice they were the heroes here you know the patriots were just at the time just this i don't know awful group everyone didn't like them they were this demon organization we know we know yeah right a villainous team you know right speaking speaking of villainous teams today we are talking about a show <laughs> that popped recently on the Netflix game and we know this is this is we're 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 doubling down on the Netflix anime but we can't deny that they're hitting some serious bangers they're they're picking up some serious some serious IPs and this one just happened for pop culture not just in anime but at almost at large seem to play every right note have everything going for it and they followed through hard. I don't think I can gush enough about this show. But Ethan, what are what are we talking about today? We got we got to tell them. Yeah. So this anime, and it is an anime, whether you guys are gonna believe it or not, it is called Super Crooks. It was released, uh-huh. released I think on, only a couple weeks ago on Netflix. Um, it's yep. sort of like a you know, a Netflix exclusive, but it was, as far as I know, Bones were the actual studio that created it. Yes, um, ver- they were. Very much the art style of Great Pretender. Um, yeah, it was interesting. And I think a extremely um, solid successor to that show, but to the point where I, I personally believe this show is the best anime of the year, but completely nobody is talking about it. So that's why we're, we're, we're ripping off the Band-Aid and we're, we're giving y'all the absolute juiciest of deets. Oh, yeah. This is hot, hot, hot off the presses. And I, uh, just a preface, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get better. If, you listen, if you've been a listener for a while now, you, you may uh, uh, know I might be a bit of a, a victim or a perpetrator of a little bit of overhype coming in with expectations and it seems to have skewed for better or worse my um how do i put this my takeaway from the shows that i watch but i'm trying to come in much more neutral lately i'm 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 a reformed boy reformed professor but this one i could have come in hot and i came out hotter like i i was just even hotter for it and i, and I, I said anime of the year contender but i more align with you it's not just going to be an anime year contender. It's going to be like in the final heavyweight challenge for anime of the year, whatever the, whatever the opponent may be. And it has a good case for it. Um, and bones is a good starting point here because bones, they're not shy. What I found interesting to two IPs that are pretty wildly successful and they manage to merge elements from both stories where I'm pretty sure Bones has a heavy hand or an entire hand in My Hero Academia and in Great Pretender. One being very superhero-centric and forward, the other being no superpowers, but very organized crime forward. And I found that to be an interesting evolution for the studio to pick up this IP 
because it's the merging of the best elements of two of their most wildly popular IPs. I think it's a brilliant move. They probably saw that and all of their uh, the board members are drooling at the mouth, just foaming for it. So this show is actually even more interesting than you think. So okay, you may not know this actually, but this is actually sort of like a, not really a spinoff, but it's related to another Netflix live action, action show called The Jupiter's Legacy. Did you know this? Wait a minute. There is a character design that made me think yes. that just once. It was the utopian exactly. so he's, design. He's the main character in Jupiter's le- uh, Legacy. Get the fuck out. Yeah. Get the fuck. Okay, I, I thought it was crazy. I thought it was like, because I watched it with my roommate and I had like this kind of tinfoil, you know how I get with tinfoil hats and I started making a conspiracy. I had no idea. I never watched Jupiter Legacy. I did just, um, I watched the trailer for it. So I caught a little bit of it. So I made the connection. I'm like, nah, that's silly. So I feel validated. Thank you for making me feel not crazy. Right, but <laughs> I appreciate it's, it. it's like kind of an interesting play that I don't think I've experienced so far is a show that first comes out as live action, shows like the good side, quote unquote, and then you get a anime, essentially, I don't even want to call it a like a sequel, it, almost like a behind the scenes where you're watching like villains, right? I don't think I've ever seen that kind of, I guess, strategy from a studio or, a, you know, any anything like that, where you get that live action first and then you get that kind of adaptation. But you're, you're seeing like, you know, the main characters are there, but it's like a side story. I don't know. I just I, okay. I fucking okay. love it, dude. It's so wild. Okay. That is wild. And I, I want to pick into that just a bit further with one question. Are there other characters? in this show that show up in Jupiter's Legacy. Yeah, yeah, the entire... It, uh, so all of that, villains, heroes, no, everything? No, 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 The Union okay. is all Got in it. there. Got it, okay. I was just looking for the ties. Yeah, how closely knitted are these two things? Um, so that, the Union of Justice in this show... of uh, Guys, obviously, it, you can kind of see where this is going. This is a hero-villain story. Um, th- this is what that is. Very well executed, but this hero this union of justice is the association of heroes in this ip and you're telling me that that basically is a not just a carbon copy but it's meant to be a correlation to jupiter's like right exactly amazing amazing interesting so that would imply that jupiter's legacy and super crooks were both written by the guy who did that graphic novel yeah so mark millar okay. Yeah, that's it. Is the guy who did both of those shows. Um, and fantastic. And the studio is actually it's Bones in, in conjunction in conjunction with Miller World, which I guess is this guy's like his own production company that I guess handles these kinds of things, right? Right, right. So uh, I concur. What you said is very accurate. This show is much more interesting than I initially even thought because it is a studio that builds kind of pop culture, real live action shows and built this world, but then utilized the medium of anime and not just the medium, but a very well respected studio in that space being Bones to tell more of its world, tell more of its story. Does this signal 
another kind of pivot or forward step for anime's inclusion in pop culture as a whole. I'm not. I know Jupiter's Legend, uh, Jupiter's Legacy wasn't exactly the most well received, if I remember correctly. It was like solid, but not like amazing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But uh, but to that being said, they doubled down on the IP, and I think it worked to amazing effect here in Super Crooks. So I mean, damn. Damn, you're you're unraveling. You're doing some uh, real detective work here. This is some Sergio shit. Uh, I respect it. Sergio. <laughs> uh, Serpico. That's it. Not Sergio. I was Serpico. like, who the fuck is like, Sergio? Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, you know, he's just a, a, another undercover cop no one's ever heard of. Um, anyway, so... But, yeah. Kind of what's interesting about this show is this is the way I would like liken it for people who do, maybe don't watch a lot of stuff. Um, like exclusively anime, I'd say. Um, this to me is like a take Invincible, take the boys, slam those together, and then slam like Great Pretender heist kind of, I guess, theory on top of it. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that those shows up because that it was um the main conversation I think that this show needs to be talked about within because. When you watch it, it becomes quickly apparent that it's trying to nestle itself very tightly within this subgenre. We've talked about in the past, we've had episodes about Invincible, we've had episodes about, you know, I, I don't know if we did another gritty uh, superhero show. I think we've mentioned the boys on the, on the show before, just, just in passing, but it, it does put itself very neatly in that subgenre of superheroes. And I wanted to talk, or really just kind of pick brains about why does this feel fresh in a sub-genre niche that I perceived that all the juice was squeezed out of? I think I even said on the Invincible episode that like this sub-genre of gritty, mature look into superhero culture, world, stuff like that, is running its course a bit with all of the over... It's becoming oversaturated so quick. Everyone's doing it so uh, hastily, putting it out in the last two years. But this still feels fresh, so that tells me that there's still juice worth to squeeze. What did Super Crooks do to make it stand out? Because it clearly stands out amongst the others, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think it takes a pretty interesting take uh, on the whole scenario. So, like, take the the boys universe, for instance, where um, yeah. superheroes are looked at as kind of like more than just, you know, defenders of justice or whatever, but they're like commercial uh, commodities that can be you know, basically their stock goes up and down and then like, you know, whoever's the most famous or it's sort of like a My Hero Academia slapped on too, where like the, the highest rated heroes are paid the most, you know, the the world likes them the most. I almost feel like this would be a great tie into something like My Hero Academia or something that My yeah. Hero Academia should try for maybe like half a season. So you don't like only see one side, right? It's kind of like yeah, kind of like the yeah. sta the stain perspective where you know stain is obviously not a good guy, but like he was bringing up some pretty um important things about like the hypocrisy that a lot of those heroes um i guess effuse, but anyway, so the idea of this show is basically like it's showing kind of the boys aspect where sometimes yes, heroes yes. heroes would you know, accidentally, let's just say, or like in the course of 
I guess purveying justice would like kill a bunch of people on accident, like like um, what do you call that? Collateral damage with uh sure, civilians, right. and like that that comes comes to play a lot in this show. Um, there's even some scenarios where like a hero is like debased from their their like throne of being you know a defender of justice and like brought to court, right? And kind of yeah, um, yeah. I guess. Shanghai into looking like a, a maybe a disgraced hero, but basically the the thing I think that makes this oh it's raining like super hard. Uh, did you just catch that? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, well, dude. It started. Oh, it started for me like fifteen minutes ago. Because well, I, so I heard really something like like it sounded like it was slamming against my window, so I took my headphones off. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Um, dude, it's raining side. It's raining sideways right yeah, now. Yeah, I was like, what the <laughs> hell? Okay, sorry guys. <laughs> But no, you're good. Something that I think is very interesting and cool is it shows like our main cast are all like let's just say low tier villains, and mm-hmm. and basically it shows the point where the hero market is extremely saturated, right? So the pickings for for um, villains are, are very slim, and basically there's almost none left for like let's just say indie villains right <laughs> like yeah like, no that i love i love that term like indie villains. right like not yeah. non-affiliated with this big syndicate called the network where they they charge yes. like exorbitant fees and all this stuff right to be able to do your villainy but uh anyway so there's slim pickings for anyone that's not affiliated but the if you do get like picked up or whatever you're brought into supermax and so it's like a it's a very like i feel like a real take on like villainy that you don't really get to see right like if you think about like justice league or anything like that yeah we find we find like villains in like supermax prisons and stuff like that but they like always are breaking out they're like you know (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. it just seems like they're basically a big paper paper mache uh like walls and stuff like that because they're always constantly breaking out and like doing the business to the heroes but in this case it's like exactly very real consequences for these like middling you know low tier crooks so to speak right yeah um and like for instance there, there's a point where like some of our main characters like go away for like years <laughs> oh yeah the, and so this conversation that we're having, I think I like the framing we have about other shows, anime or not, within the genre that it's trying to nestle itself in. I want to give a little synopsis about the kind of the origin story, because I think it's very telling, of our main character, Johnny Bull. He's a, he's a young lad when we start with aspirations of being a hero, getting into the Union of Justice, the real, the real normal shit. And we find out he starts to actually manifest his powers in a very kind of benign way, troubled, troubled home, all that being said, but his power is electricity. And we're talking with very high fidelity of control. He's not just like firing lightning bolts. He can actually enact his will upon machinery, electronic devices of all kinds, which in a 21st century world, that is very fucking powerful if you have the brain to back it up. But what I found interesting was the the way by which he kind of is steered into villainy is that 
once he gains his powers, we have a very kind of Shazammy sort of like montage between his old buddy who looks very much like Ned from the Spider-Man with Tom Holland. I think right? We should say he's kind of spoilers. Yeah, you think this is spoilers? I would say. Well, yeah, it's it's so new. Even episode one's going to be a spoiler. All right. So well, even before we, I go into, I, I don't. Uh, I, I, we maybe should just like wait a little bit. Talk about the overall. I just don't want to spoil like. To me, this scene you're about to talk about is like one of my favorite parts of the whole thing, and it was the very first like sh- uh, episode, you know? Right. I-, I just think that its setup does, it speaks very closely to the themes by which they employ to subvert itself and separate itself from the genre that it's trying to kind of like cozy up inside of. So I- I'm okay. I'm going to give it a little bit of time. To give people, this is the spoiler buffer here, patented, don't steal this, the spoiler buffer is now in play. (laughs) But I will talk about that scene later because there is a discussion worth having due to that scene. But what I will say is, that's the question I had the entire show, right? Is that, why does this feel different? We have the boys, we have Invincible, we have Watchmen, we have all these other IPs that hyper violence eyes the the you know to subvert the superhero vibe genre all of that and the one big one that i really enjoyed was its use of violence as it is closely associated with villainy and when you watch a show like this there's other shows right invincible the The violence is not exclusive to the villains. If anything, it's almost exclusive to the heroes, right? Um, The boys, kind of the same way, but in less of an active seeking out of that violence, it's a collateral damage aspect in in some ways. Other ways, it's a lot more active with like Homelander and stuff. But um, in this show, villainy is kind of on-screen portrayed with violence. And I found that interesting because of the way this show also makes the the villains seem to have much more human connections and camaraderie than the superheroes do. The most human connections we get in this show are from our villain cast, not the heroes. So this kind of weird like juxtaposition between like the most wholesome friend moments and the most violent backstabby moments are all both portrayed by villainy. And I like the way that I think the show's overall message with doing both of those things is that villains are humans too. Villains are people too. And whatever, and villainy is almost a profession, not a like entire mantra in this show. There, there is good in the villains, there is bad in the heroes, sure. But the lens is so focused on villains that they're so fleshed out and everything like that, that. I like the way more than I think any other show that the quote unquote villains in the structure are so humanized, but also so predisposed to violence. And there's a scene later I want to talk about to illustrate that point, but we're in the spoiler buffer zone. (laughs) I'm technologically not allowed to talk about it lest my head explode. So um, it's very serious, you know? It is. It is. This technology is very dangerous. The spoiler buffer is nothing to fuck around with. Right. Um, But yeah, so like I said, the villains were the most human to me. They had their stories. They had their histories. They had their their causes for the villainy that they do. Some 
straight up scoundrous. That's not a word. Scoundrel-esque. But others a little bit more nuanced and understand that they got into this life. Thank you. Oh, my God. What a fucking word. Yeah. Respect the vocab usage. I'm reading a lot of books. There you go. He learned how to read, folks. Uh, (laughs) But uh, yeah, yeah. So like a lot of the villains, very nuanced stories. You know, it's not all the way black. A little bit of it's gray. Some of it's black to illustrate a dichotomy between some. There's a gradient of villain in this show. And that's not often shown, which is really cool. So I, I think that's one way it stands out. The boys did this where the villains were seemingly they all had their reasons. They all were humanized. But then the powers come into play. Right. The villains, they were famously non superheroes. Right. And they were going up against monumental power compared to them. This show kind of evens the table a bit. A bit. Not all the way, but a bit. Yeah. Which is cool. I mean, there's just a lot of uh, scenarios where it's like, definitely the heroes are doing significantly more damage than any of the villains are doing. Um, yeah, but that's also, it's rarer than like the boys are invincible, right? It's a little rarer in this show. They do a lot of damage, but in most cases not a lot of lives are taken i don't know man there there was a couple of scenarios that were just like wow like somebody needs to go to jail for this um but yeah oh oh yeah for sure but i think the other piece of the puzzle is like that that heist mechanic is i think handled in a way that is it's kind of surprising right because like it's it's kind of handled in a strange way where we don't actually get to hear the plan most of the time it's like either the 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 mastermind the heat it like is basically stringing the heat jesus christ you just screamed in my ears uh sorry buddy uh is like kind of off screening the plan and then just like dragging people through it or or like other people have the plan and they don't tell them anything about it until it's like we're doing this tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And a, a quick addendum to that, that would an example of exactly what you're talking about where the plan is kind of obfuscated away from us is there have been more than several times in this show where a scheme has been constructed and we're not told the plan but another team member is required or a couple team members right and this character introduction style is very interesting because we don't know the plan but this new character has a crazy new power and you're left wondering this guy's fucking awesome what but then you have to ask what part of the plan is this new person needing to play because they go out of their way almost like a mini heist a pre-heist if you will to go get this person and and utilize them in a plan that's been constructed. So, to your point, it not only the um, obscuring of the heist before it's enacted on screen is very compelling for the viewer just in and of itself, but it's also a very compelling way to introduce characters because you know they have necessity and plot weight before they even enter the fray. Like, we need to go get this other guy. Everyone suit up. We're going to this city. Okay, cool. And then that entire, like, half an episode is them convincing or calling a guy up or calling a chick up. And you're, like, not only left wondering, oh, my God, this guy's cool or this chick's cool. What are their powers? But also, wait, what is their place in the plan I don't know about? There's layers of the way that they obscure information is all 
extremely compelling because there is a payoff in most cases. You know, right. We don't we're, you know, we we aren't left in the dark forever, but we know. But because they make that a precedent that you will see the heist in action at some point that, you know, that, wow, these people are going to be important and they are cool, not just by merit of who they are and what they can do, but how they play into the overall plan. And that's really, really cool. So, yes, the obscuring of the of the plot and uh, no obscuring of the heist uh, sublimely done in this show. Yeah. But, great but what's yeah. I think great about that kind of the aspect where they're agreeing to a plan they know nothing about is like it's taking like the main character Johnny Bolt and Casey, his girlfriend, their like whole thing yeah. is that like they wanna be um like a real crook, right? They wanna be like notarized the same way that the heat was back in the seventies or whatever it was, right? Where it's like Yep. They they have a done something that nobody else has done. And that's kind of like what's interesting, I think, about kind of like super villains in the traditional sense. Like they're there to like control the world or like take over, you know, the the uh I guess the Justice League or kill Superman, <laughs> yeah, right. right? Like they have like very, yeah. very like A to B. I guess, utilitarian kind of ideas of, like, plans. Whereas our guys just want to, like, make a big score and dip. It's, like, it's kind of like the uh, desensationalizing of, like, what a supervillain is, if that makes sense. Kind of. like Explain a little bit more. Well, like, it, it's more like normalizing them toward, like, I guess, normal, like, crook pursuits, right? Like, bad guys in real life you know, just want to like knock over a bank or something or steal Mona Lisa, right? Like, like movies we've watched before or like steal money from a casino, like, you know, Ocean's 11, Ocean's 12, Ocean's 13, like whatever. We've seen those kinds of movies, but like most villains are trying to like, I don't know, blow up the moon or something. So it's just, it's it's almost (laughs) like, like a a refreshing grounded take on what it is to be a villain and in this case, it's even funnier because they're like complete nobodies, right? Like if it was like yeah, yeah. the League of Villains, you know what I mean? Like it'd be a different yeah. story, but it's like not. They're just complete outsiders with, with some pretty ridiculous powers. We should get to that eventually, but like... We will. They are like yeah. essentially normies, <laughs> you know? I don't know. Yeah. There's just something like super endearing about the cast and their like lot in life. Um, and then, you know, as you go through the show, it's like years and years and years pass. And like these people have like families and kids and stuff like that. And they just like want that one last score to like get out. Right. Which is like a, yeah. I think a mechanism that, that is used frequently in like heist movies and heist shows. Right. Of that like final score. Like we want, like, I don't know, like a lot of times when Johnny and Casey are just like lying in bed talking about their like future and their life. It's like, you know, they're looking to do something, right? To to just like have fun that one one like massive time and then they'll be done kind of thing. Exactly. So and the one thing that you said in all of that or two things actually was the grounded take and the kind of the idea of immemorializing them at, in the villain world and I think that's that speaks very highly to, like I, like I said earlier in the episode, like, 
you know, he, these humans are still they're villains, but the villains are still human. And they are there's a spectrum of people in terms of their care of memorialization and it's a very core human thing to want to be remembered past death. And some villains in this show as endearing as the others, but they want their acts of villainy to be memorialized. They want to be remembered. They want to transcend the the heyday of their career to be remembered long after. And then there are others, kind of like Johnny and Casey, who just want they want that score just to, you know, they want at some point to get out of the game and utilize that big score, those big funds to have a what they said, I think an exact quote, an ordinary but respectable, respectable life. They want that. And that is very human. There are some that just want to live in obscurity in the grand scheme of things, but live a life that they find calm, comfortable, respectable, and ordinary. And there's others that want to be so good at their craft, so at the top of their game, at their apex, that they cannot be forgotten. And we see some of that in the way they portray the villains that came before the ones we see now. The Heat was part of that crew. The 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 people that came before this crew, the reason why he's kind of the de facto and not so de facto leader is because people know his name. Oh my God, that's the heat. But they know him in their world, in the villain world. So yeah, like it, like I said before, it was almost like villainy is a bit like a career, a hobby to some, passion to others, but ultimately a way to advance your game and be at the top of your professional craft. And I don't know. I, 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 to your point, I loved it. I love the way that it, it did feel grounded because they gave villainy such a human spectrum of desires, uh, ambitions, methods to enact those ambitions. It's all there. It's the same way as like, uh, I don't know, any passion, art, music, uh, podcasting, fuck it. I don't know. But like any of that, right? You want to be remembered. That's a very human thing. And this show e- makes villains even have such an aspiration yeah you know so, notice mean, me senpai it, notice me senpai senpai being the future or, the war or the heat in this case or the heat exactly oh yeah heat is definitely senpai please notice me um and the, and the one point i wanted to bring up was something this show does very well is you talked about the heist mechanic the heist theme of this show. It's, a, it's obviously a very prominent aspect of this show. But something I noticed about heists from other IPs, you mentioned Ocean's Eleven, we got the boys, right? Both very similar to Super Crooks, and I wondered why. And it's because they structured the uh, mechanics and the tenets of a good heist very, very well. Super powered or not, right? There was even a moment later in this in this show where part of the heist was completely depowered. They had to be able to enact a heist with Sans powers. And a good heist, any good heist, is an a team of organized individuals, each with a special set of like a set of skills, using those skills in stages, but at the right stage at the right time to achieve a common goal typically associated with some act of villainy robbery kidnapping something like that right they're all there to achieve a goal you have teamwork you have specialities you have a mastermind this show 
isn't doing anything new with the heist. They're just using that same rubric, but using super powered individuals inside of that. And I think that's why they all felt very like if you plucked any of them out individually, their powers are like mid tier at best for a lot of them. A couple of them stand out, but they're mid tier at best. But in the context of a hype, they were invaluable and felt a little bit OP, right? I mean, shit, I'm thinking about Ghost, right? Like, yeah, we've seen that power before. He can walk through walls, he can phase through things. But in the context of a heist, like a heist, the moments his powers are needed in the plan are, they see, it, it makes it elevated so OP because it's used in these very specific contexts, right? And that melding of super-powered heists of villainy, so beautifully knitted together. Like, it felt like a very good heist, and no one just waltzed in, right, and just did all the work. No one individual just did all the work. It could never have happened that way. So Yeah, but to be fair, the, the, heist, the motherfucker yeah. literally has Kamui, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, actually, it's a good point. That's actually a really good point, because some of these villains... They were there was moments where you showed the the consequences for being so over reliant on those powers because they've always had it in a very structured way. Whenever they go improv, whenever a plan breaks down and shit hits the fan, that's when you realize that like, oh god, their use of their powers aren't structured by a mastermind experienced individual. They gotta go rogue. A hero has to come into any situation. A villain troop that's doing a heist has a very specific situation, right? So when improv comes into play, we saw a little bit later, some of those powers kind of didn't hold up because they weren't being told how to use it, which is a little interesting. Right. I don't know. It's interesting. I, I, like I said, there's a lot to talk about in the way that these powers are employed. And I guess it's at this kind of moment where I think we can... Is the spoiler buffer off? Like I said, I don't want my head to explode. Yeah, I'm looking at the settings right now. Uh, I'm in the lab, obviously. Let's see. Click, click, yeah. click, click, click. Yep, yep, yep. The, the okay. spoiler buffer's off, folks. Ooh, we are in Spoiler Town USA without danger. We only have my friends. We only have 22 minutes until that spoiler buffer turns back on. We better hurry the fuck up. Did you? Why did you set it to turn on at the very end of the episode? You absolute savage. The problem is, it's it's not like I don't set it. You know what I mean? There was an update to the system, and it takes twenty two minutes to reset. So we just have to. Oh, it's got to reboot. We got to complete this heist before time ends. All right, spoiler heist. We got it. Ready? Go. Okay. So what I was gonna say earlier about the intro. Wait, just to be to extremely this clear, this is a spoiler warning. We are ripping this shit. A- part to you know what i mean for all y'all who have actually seen it don't you stifle my use of my spoiler powers Ethan. i just wanted to be very I clear because we did do a yeah, little yes. skit there <laughs> impromptu skit and i just wanted to be very yes. clear yeah it was a good bit but a dangerous bit nonetheless we are now officially beyond the borders of spoiler town usa <laughs> right so if you if you haven't go watch the if you haven't watched the show for the love of god please Go watch this show if you don't want to be spoiled. It's like spoiled. And it's like I said, we up top said this is no less than a heavy hitting anime of the year contender. One of us even said it's probably anime of the year. And there is more than enough merit to justify why it would be. So do yourself a good service. Self-care. 
and go watch Super Crooks on Netflix. It's all there. Stream that sucker. The weather's shitty here. And if it's shitty where you have, you have no reason to go outside. So sit inside, bundle up, and get after it. Even if the weather, even if the weather's good, you don't have any reason to go outside. So watch this. Yeah, we are weebs after all. Weather never took into account us sitting inside in the dark room and binging. <laughs> so, absolutely. So yes, as I was saying before, under threat of head explosion, this Johnny Bolt character, our titular, not titular, but our main character, he... He's kind of, you know, a recent discoverer of his powers when he's a kid. That's where we start out. You have this kind of montage sequence of him testing his powers with, I think his name is Ted or Tom, something like that. Yeah, I can't recall um, either. I think it might be Ted. Some, it might be Ted. And if you've ever seen the Tom Holland uh, Spider-Man uh, movies, he's very much Ned, the boy, the guy in the chair, right? He's kind of his sidekick. He's like, we need to document this, but also much more aligned with Shazam. We need to go outside and film you. Literally his fat boy in the chair. Yes, exactly. And his first thing is like, dude, you're a hero. This power is actually kind of OP. Let's make sure we start building your superhero clout. So they start filming him. He starts testing his powers. And then he's like, all right, time for the debut. We're going to go in front of a large group of people in summer vacation to show everyone that Electro Boy is here. Quick side note, Johnny Bolt is a way better hero name than Electro Boy, and I will die on that hill. Right, but it's his he actual name. You can't fucking say, hey, I'm Johnny Bolt. I know. <laughs> I know the rules. I know the game. He's just like, whatever. But yes, you're right. You're right. Electro Boy is now on the scene where he decided to do his debut was at the community pool and if you're a close listener i said he has electrical powers fresh off the fresh off the presses he doesn't he only had him for a little bit and he's he can fly because he can use a little bit of electromagnetism kind of there to keep himself afloat he (laughs) his debut telling everyone don't worry electro boys got this neighborhood on lock loses control of his powers and falls into the pool now, quick quiz, Ethan. What happens when you add a, a lot of voltage to a large body of water with bodies inside? Yeah, I think um, I think they get fried, brother. They get fucking fried, my dude. And this first scene, it it was an amazing tone set for the entire show. This kid, this Johnny kid, is devastated, right? So he then is just kind of like crumpled. He realizes he killed some injured the rest like no one was and there was like some catastrophic like car crashes like he freaked out and a giant thunderbolt hit the pool everyone's fried so he it was actually then, like it was like so over dramatic how much shit like blew up during that first scene right right <laughs> but it was just like uh, i i felt like you know such a comical use of like you know oh i'm gonna be a nice dope hero oops one wrong mistake or one like accident and you know that's all derailed right and you know what i i did a lot of thinking about what what that scene meant for the rest of the show and for johnny as a character um because after he realizes that he like he really fucked up i mean not just on like oh i'm never gonna be a hero like that is manslaughter and he then you know in that angst he kind of like let a discharge out and he realized he kind of fired an atm machine off and you know gained a little bit of money on the side and it kind of all clicked for him that 
if I can't be a hero, but I have these powers, what else can I do with them? And then we have this giant time skip to him as an adult, and he's coming out of that supermax, this high-level security prison for super-powered evil ne'er-do-wells, right? And what I found interesting about this scene, and for the villain theme for the rest of the show, was that a power that, you know, the, the power itself is neutral, right? The way it was attempted to be used by this kid, this newbie, was for heroism. That was his dream up to that point. And he saw that this power, the first time anyone in the public really saw him use it, caused catastrophe, mayhem, and nothing good. Nothing that he perceived a hero to be doing. So it really did warp his perception initially of his power. I think he definitely felt in that moment that his power's only applicable use was for villainy, was for nothing that is associated with the hero. And I, I think that might be one of my favorite scenes for that reason, because, you know, I can understand as a kid with those abilities and the first time you use it, it just warps the perspective, like the perspective, but it associated kind of powers to be relegated for villainy use if they are perceived to have no good uses whatsoever. Lightning itself is a danger to others. How could it possibly be of help to anybody? I think that's the perspective he took away. You know? Yeah, and I think what what I think personally really spoke to me was like that kind of situation that happened to him is really reminiscent of the movie Chronicles. Did you ever watch it? I love that movie. Such a good effing movie. But like they start off with their like new powers and they're just kind of having fun, right? Yeah, and then yeah, shit yeah. goes absolutely wrong, right? You know, just like kind of a gradual descent into like essentially villainy and then not only that there's that uh i can't remember the name of the freaking movie but it was like essentially the superman horror movie where the little kid just like oh um read uh, something bright something bright burn bright something bright burn. bright burn yeah something like that so yeah it's it's literally a tale of what happened if superman were to just pick up villainy straight up right which instead of heroism you know i don't know i just great. really liked the kind of different take you get right because like i think we've seen so many of the like origin stories for heroes and like even occasionally for, for villains, but villain ones are normally like, just like wild as shit. Like he got dropped in a vat of fucking acid and like now, now his brain is addled, you know, but like, yeah, right. But like in Johnny's case, like he just made a really ridiculous mistake and it caused like a lot of freaking disasters. What, one thing I did really like is like, they didn't like, it didn't seem like they arrested him when he was a little kid though. No, they didn't. They, ca- they, def- they definitely didn't. Yeah. I, I think the because remember, we got flashbacks, uh, Johnny and Casey reminiscing of them doing heists long before the um, Johnny's adult introduction in episode one. Right. That he got out maybe as a result of a previous heist or something like that. Um, but the one thing I wanted to mention was the fact that this this show is a good i like that you brought up chronicles because and and brightburn because this is a nature versus nurture conversation rather the innate power versus the environment's reaction to said power 
Chronicles and Brightside both have a commonality where these people had powers, but the environment invited the villainy into their psyche. The uh, super crooks actually took the opposite approach where the power and the innate gifts were applied to the environment, right? And, and as a result, it's that other way of when the power is applied to the environment and the people around that he swore to protect floating above that pool, it went wrong. And I think instead of like Chronicles and Brightburn that they realize that they're in a shit situation. I think Chronicles, the, the most powerful kid was in a very like broken home. Right. Dad was very not, like abusive, um, you know, and then he realized he had the power to escape that and enact his own will. But that will has been warped by the environment he grew up in. Johnny's methods and purpose was warped not by the environment. His environment was not great, but it wasn't like bad. He had a weird home life where his mom was like having men over. She's kind of floozy a little bit. But that that in and of itself was not like a uh, a villain born in a, in a in a you know incubator of shit right? yeah it was just villain, it was kind of funny because yeah. he's like this is such a shithole and i'm looking at the house and i'm like it looks totally fine bro it's like it looks pretty rad it's like right. a two-story yeah. like five bedroom <laughs> like yeah I'm like, victorian I, I, i'm like i don't know bro it looks kind of chill to me yeah fucking mid-colonial it's great <laughs> this place is awesome but yeah so like it was not the environment that made him the villain it was his young mind you know perceiving a power that when applied had so much danger to it that you know like, like i said before i can understand why someone would un- would would take away that a power of electricity lightning is inherently dangerous to the people i want to save or the environment that i want to protect it has nothing but destruction and chaos and you know all that stuff but yeah, it's it was just a different element that I don't think I've actually ever seen in a show or a movie where, you know, it was it was their perception of their gifts when applied to the environment is negative. Therefore, I should use it to my own advantages, not to protect others. Right. Um, and I, I love that. It was a very subtle subversion to stories told past, but all in all, like it worked to great effect because. There are moments later in the show where he reviewed kind of his old journals and comic books to understand, like not to understand, just to like reminisce and like, I wanted to be a hero. I wanted to do this, but he was rattling off the kind of hero he wanted to be. And he had that quote, well, this sounds like villainy to me. And there it is that like he just grew in a different direction so much that maybe there wasn't such a difference between hero and villain in his mind, just kind of how it was applied. So. I don't know. There's a lot of subtlety to the show that I I, fu- I fucking love. It, it's so good. Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk powers because let's talk. There powers, was some baby. nutty shit going on. Like obviously Johnny, as he got older, I would have thought he'd be looked at as much more powerful. Frankly, because same same. I thought it was weird that he stopped flying. Like to me, that's like a ridiculously um, broken ability. <laughs> okay, so I. I did think the same thing, and my counterpoint to that was, I think he associate the idea of flight so closely with the idea of his internal vision of a hero that he just completely abandoned it. I don't think he can't do it anymore. I just think, like, literally, that's not him anymore. Like, having that 
appearance, you know, that's the only way I can justify it. But I'm still in your camp that like, if he can fly with electromagnetism, that's still a fucking huge boon. Like, imagine heisting a building where you can get to the 52nd floor like instantly. Well, because he, Easy, I mean, they right? literally base it off maglev trains, right? And it's like those fuckers move yep. so fast. Oh, that's actually, I totally forgot the implications of that association, right? He, th- those things move like what? Like 300, nearly 200 miles an I hour? I think 300, 300 kph. Yeah. So if he can move that way and still have maybe some kind of footing and not have to fly, fly, like your boy's basically Kilo with Godspeed right there. Like, and that's kind of like, I think he didn't really do a lot with his power. So. Like, it kind of sucks to have a main character that doesn't, like, ex- explore their power that much, right? So that's the only, like, only real negative I have for the show. But I think, like, his entire squad is actually just, like, stupid OP. I mean, there's Casey, who's literally, like, I don't know, dream witch. She can make you just, like, completely, like, effed up. Like, take over she, your brain. She's, oh, my God. Yeah, like, she can make you hallucinate anything for... We learn later a pretty extended period of time. I think her only limitation is the amount of minds because later when she made someone hallucinate for like an entire almost half a day, it was two people, maybe three. But if, remember when she was making um, yes. everyone hallucinate in the hot tub that she was in a costume yeah. and because she didn't want anyone to see her naked. She even said to Johnny because they got a thing. And he's like, thank God you didn't put the suit on for me. And she's naked and looks over to him like, yeah, but if I did it to your brain, too, that'd be too much of a pain. So I think that is an actual limitation of hers. But if she's trying to trick one person or two, she's basically OP God tier, like untouchable. Um, uh, TK was nuts. He had telekinesis. Um, uh, was he? OK, so I actually ha- I need to ask you a question. Um, a quick preface for the students there's a heist they have here to get uh the entire union of justice out of their headquarters so they stage this zombie apocalypse in pittsburgh (laughs) yeah (laughs) funny enough yeah right so was it tk doing the moving of those zombies yeah is that that, what that was so unfucking real powerful i could not believe what i was literally animated he animated probably upwards of 1500 to 2000 zombies maybe more like for i want to say 20 to 30 minutes incredible that's fidelity on here to unheard of i mean it's literally so. like probably one of the most impressive feats of like telekinesis i have ever witnessed in anything like i've never seen any character in any um ip period whether it be like eastern western comics manga being that ridiculously powerful and not only that, but just like having that much control over like that many different pieces of the puzzle, even books. Like I've read yeah. a ton of books where people have like kind of like that kind of idea and like at most like maybe a thousand golems or something they can create. But this dude's like individually making all of these zombies ride a, a billion bikes. Like, I don't know, man. He was nuts. Powerful. Was fucking great. That was the thing, too. I'm thinking of like mob. Um uh tatsuki or whatever the name is from one punch man uh the terrible tornado um, Tatsumaki. you have other tatsumaki thank you there's other telepaths that are toted in the community as being god tier op but don't sleep on tk because he not so he not only animated all of them individually 
and then move them in squads and sub squads to do certain tasks. But he actually can program to perform certain things. Some were walking, some were riding bikes, and he even programmed them to not attack anybody. So no one was actually in danger necessarily, but it was just flashy enough to get the heroes over there. And that is a level of fidelity from telekinesis that is top tier, S tier, game, game changing shit. Um, but, you know, on the flip side, like he's so ridiculously powerful, but he's not known by the network or like run by the network. That was the only thing I was like really struggling with is like, like these guys seem unbelievably powerful individually or at least like flashy, right? Like you've got the two brothers that literally can get any part of their body chopped off and they regrow their whole body. Like, Ooh, let's talk about let's talk about them. I think there was Roddy and Sammy Diesel. Yeah, they're brothers. They're literally better yeah. than fucking Wolverine. They are. It was instantaneous. Um, so they they had this really interesting dynamic of one was this scrawny blonde dude. The other guy was very like Red Russian from Black Widow, like big, bulky, heavy dude. Think like um, I don't know Armstrong from Full Metal Alchemist. I would say or... think, think a guy named Roddy Diesel, and that's what he looked like. <laughs> <laughs> literally don't imagine anything from any other ip just imagine in your head what a guy named roddy diesel looks like and you nailed it that's exactly what it exactly. is exactly so he he definitely had a lot more strength by body composition but both of them were talking like limbs cut off and within 10 15 seconds and i mean like every limb cut off and is i want to say what was their limitation i guess as long as their head was intact they regenerate from there to be honest I with was you, man, there, there was like really no limitation that I could tell because there was this point when Roddy's head gets cut in half and then he like regrows a second head, right? Oh, that was the scene with the uh, laser tunnel. Yeah. And yeah, he gets everything sliced, head and all, and he regrows kind of buds, two torsos of himself. The mo- mole- yeah. molecular chainsaw, they called it. Molecular. Oh, that's that was right. Molecular chainsaw. Uh, so yeah, I mean, like, and and we okay. So one thing because I remember, was funny. Sammy, yeah, when they're uh, doing the like plane heist, falls into the propeller and gets chopped into a billion little pieces. Oh yeah, he was a mist, and that's he still re- respawned. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's actually a really good point. I did, I did I forgot about that. I was wondering what like. From what chunk does one regenerate? It is a impossible question, you know, or do you just clone yourself a bunch of times? But who knows? Um, I will say forecast um, a guy that lives in New York City. He can control the weather. I would say he's impressive. Weather forecast. We <laughs> yes. If we didn't just watch weather report in Jojo part six, who had unparalleled weather control. So that was an unfortunate rap for forecast in this show. Because Weather Report in JoJo just one-upped him even before we got to this one. <laughs> he got a bad rap. Right. It's bad. I don't know. Um, it was just, it was kind of an interesting scenario where, like, our, our main team is ridiculously powerful. And even, like, I would say the, the most annoying characters slash worst characters were the three, the trio of his, like, small-time crooks that he hangs out with in San Francisco. Um, oh, bad luck, ice guy, and who was the last guy? Transit. Oh, he teleports. Guy, transit. He can teleport, guy. I mean, all good things for thievery. I wouldn't necessarily want a guy who can generate bad luck. Okay. He was like Domino. 
He was like Domino from Deadpool, but like instead of good luck for himself, it's bad luck around his surroundings. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. How do you control that shit? Yeah, it was just I don't know. But but he like let them fucking speak sweet nothings in his ear and like ruin his life even worse, like multiple oh, times. Fuck, dude. Um, okay. which is like the the only part of the show that I was just like I wanted to like turn it off was when he did that like bullshit in his bachelor party. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that real quick, because um, my roommate, um, for those of you fresh, my roommate, Cody, who's been on the show a couple times, um, like watching anime with him because we have good discussions about it, helps me prep for the show. But he, the entire time, could not resist verbally expressing, oh, fuck this, this, fuck this, he's going to get caught, he's going <laughs> to get caught. And like, like he read, he read it like a book, like maybe like a half beat before I did. And I was like, what do you mean? Oh, yep, he got it. You nailed it, Cody. But so, yeah, you're, I, I was pissed off. Um, I wanted to ask you a question about that, though. Was the show trying to go for this kind of end message that Johnny isn't like all the way into the villainy game? kind of thing because like what that looked like to me was people that had been villains long before Johnny or maybe like were too addicted to the game like really sweet talking him back in um when if they were actually his friends they would have been like yeah man like they may have just let me like yeah you should steal a couple hundred bucks and just like you know they know that's like 100% guaranteed for Johnny he can just like zap an ATM and grab some cash yeah, so but- what was happening was those three are bumbling idiots, and Johnny's really, really powerful, okay? Um, especially with, like, security cameras and uh, EMPing police vehicles, right? Like, like they, frankly, they won that first... Oh, yeah. They won that okay. first chase, like, easily if, yeah. if Akismet hadn't been bad-looking them constantly and accidentally essentially called Praetorian to them, right? Yeah. Like... Yep. If you think about it, if they didn't have Bad Luck Boy, like Praetorian more than likely wouldn't have showed up in San Francisco. Yeah, um, that's a really good point. But anyway, so the the problem is they're like, you know, they're complete nobodies, but they don't have the potential, right? Like, remember what Casey was telling him? It's like, these guys are literally deadbeat idiots that are just trying to take advantage of you because you, you, you look have something. You're special and they're nobodies, right? And so, like, they're not in the network, obviously. And then, even and remember, they were lying to him about where they got the tips. They got it from the network. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, okay. I think your strongest argument was the first one you made. Johnny's not only special because his power is very applicable in a 21st century world, but also he has the mind of a guy to organize a crime. Like, he is a good experience planner i'm talking like because didn't he orchestrate one of the bigger heists in the later later one like he had the plan and everything we knew that because the final heist right all right so like he had the goods not just to be a super powered individual but to be not even just a villain but a guy who can organize a heist and these three guys probably they're dumbest they're dumbest bricks but they're not so dumb to realize <laughs> yeah. that they're nothing they're nothing without Johnny. Yeah. They're nothing without him. Yeah. That's all transit <laughs> could say. Yeah, yeah, every time he teleported. Yes, 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 yes. Um but yeah, yeah, okay. So that that part made me a little mad, but 
I I I do like. Oh, I was fuming because he literally just like blew off like the biggest smoke show in the entire show, like an omega level power goddess, and he's just like yo. I mean, you, Casey's a straight. Yeah, he was Casey's hammered. A straight baddie. He was hammered. So yeah. like, of course, like they just easily manipulated him. But it's like dog. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and that's the thing. That's the thing, right? And that that speaks to. I think that speaks to the villain world that, you know, I think every villain, dumb to brilliant and everywhere in between, recognizes the value of organization. And I think that's what makes this a good heist show, that everyone wants a crew and they know which crews work best for them, even if they're just lackeys in the plan. Right. But they know if they got, say, heat at the helm. For our major crew, if you got Johnny at the helm with those three other fucking assholes, you know, they recognize their potency is multiplied X times with the right leader. And that's a very, that, that makes for a good high show, you know? Oh, oh, we got the heat organizing this one. I'm in. We're good. We're Gucci. Let's do it. You know, that's, and and that's really, that's really good. So like, yeah. And one, okay. There's two powers I actually wanted to talk to you about that I want. I want us to discuss in terms of clarity. Let's go with the bastard first, Mr. Matz. So he was just psychic. He used guns a lot, but he was just psychic, right? Yeah, it seemed like um, he was a little like Professor X um, could like, do you remember like the, the, the point of Professor X or not the point of him, but one of his like, main main problems is if he focused too much on any one person in cerebro he could like fry their brain yes yeah yeah. yeah. so that's ver- very that- much i think what was happening there is like okay okay like if 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 a high level telekinetic or sorry i think it'd be telepathic person were to focus on one individual brain it could, it would just like essentially like short them out. Now that's what I think the the scope is really for was to like directly um, pinpoint what he was looking at. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So you're you're saying that like while Professor X, you know, tried to put effort into avoiding that with using Cerebro, Mister Matz actually wanted that to happen, but needed something to focus with it. Like he wanted to make sure that that frying of brain, the head explosion, happened in very uh, a very finite way, in a very precision way. Well, it's not that he had to do that, right? Like, so, like, remember in the final scene with him and Salamander, he just walks in and pops the dude's noggin. Right. Okay. I want to bring that up. That me and Cody were talking about that actually, where we we think at close enough range, he doesn't need the assistance. But remember, at that banquet, he walked out. And then use the gun to focus from afar to have the same precision effect he would if you were, say, five feet away from the guy. Right. Yeah. Um, That's the way I see it. Yeah. I don't know. I think it was it's just more like so he doesn't accidentally blow someone else's head that he didn't mean to do, you know? Right. And in some cases, like he wants everyone in the room dead. So he just like, I don't need no gun. I'm just going to blast this side blast out and no big deal. So I was blasting. Um, they're just going to fucking mind blast the shit out of them. Um, and the other one I want to talk about was Praetorian. Dude, his powers. So Holy what shit. I could not understand was whether 
you know, like some of his abilities seemed like he didn't need to pull a card for, and then some of them he did. Thank you. And it was just thank a, you so much. It was a little bit un um not uh inconsistent, I think is what I, the word I'm looking for, where like sometimes he would just have this ability to to split into five people. Um he he obviously always had super speed, super strength. Um, but sure, but wouldn't that constitute one of his powers? That's what like, I wouldn't he have thought, to have drawn. But... That's what we were. That's what we were saying, right? That's what we were looking at. Like, wait, and and there was the moment when he invaded um the room with all the villainy artifacts and saw Ghost like tiptoeing away, invisible with the the fake helmet, and <laughs> he like he had telekinetic telekinesis ready to go, drew another card. Use enough, use a different power, and then later in in a different scene, use telekinetics without drawing anything. And we're like, this seems a little bit inconsistent. And I'm I'm curious about what the mechanics for his power was for people who haven't watched it, don't care about spoilers, or already have watched it. He does have the ability to use a huge array of powers, but he's always carrying a deck of cards, and they seem to be a normal deck, but. He just knows what power associates with with card, but he's always shuffling the deck. Even he doesn't know what power he's going to draw next. And there were a couple moments where he drew a bad power, like he had like low level like water gun Squirtle style, you know. And it's just like this is not going to work. I just got them wet. Uh, and then sometimes he would draw the most perfect power for the situation, unfucking real. Yeah. So you uh, you definitely haven't read it, but there's this. Um... Okay. There's this, uh, what the fuck, a uh, manhwa called uh, what you got? High Level Warrior or something. I can't remember what the first word of that is, but I've read um, like a lot of seasons of it. If It sounds familiar, but you are right that I haven't read it. I think I've heard you yeah, or Yeah, I Saint mentioned it a it. couple of times, but um, okay, okay. basically he his like class is gambler so he, he basically can just do things to make his luck like ridiculous oh who's the uh who's the guy from bleach that had the same fullbring where he basically punches things and they just and like the punch happens to work for him but the more he uses it the less his luck is yeah I'm similar never vibes gonna know yeah the guy's name but uh yeah i get it but people will know people yeah, will yeah but vibes Agreed. Um, I vibe. Yeah, vibes, vibes. But it's just, it's kind of, uh, I don't know. I, I don't hate that power, right? Like the ability to like draw a card and get a different power. But it just, it when you make a mechanism like that, it's like so inconsistent just off the rip because that's literally the point of it. But he also just right. seemed to also get ridiculous shit. Yeah, I was going to say like, how do you He has over 200 powers. Yeah, fuck me, right? And, like, how do you orchestrate a truly random power set or power dynamic into a narrative without pulling a Mary Sue at some point, right? Because the moment I'm thinking about in this show is he had laser eyes at one point, right? Very OP. We're talking Superman-level shit, burns through people, buildings, and the like. And Sammy Diesel goes in to poke his eye out, and then suddenly... He happens to get a new power because he may have drawn it off screen and he breaks his finger on his eye and he just happens to get iron body. Basically, we're talking Superman shit. A little too convenient. But how does how do you not as a writer pull a couple contrivances 
with a truly random power. What you need to make that character, you know, lose sometimes because maybe you're uh, not to have a poker metaphor or anything like you're going to have a bad hand at some point. But he's got to know when to hold him and when to fold him. Right, exactly. Unless he has a whole deck of aces, you know, like he has that whole deck of aces, like literally they're all winners. So I don't know. I, I wasn't actually and I'll be I'll be frankly honest. I liked his arc as a hero turned corrupt hero to villain kind of thing. I liked his arc as a character. I did not like his application of his power set within the narrative as as a uh, an obstacle for the villains. He was a re- reoccurring obstacle for the villains. There should have been at some point where he just had shit luck and got like, oh, I can sprout daisies out of my hand. Wait, what? And he gets his ass shocked. Like, that should have been something that happened for a truly random power guy like this guy. So, I, I don't know. I, that, that was a bit of a gripe for me. and. Was it fun to watch? It was entertaining as fuck. I'm not going to say nothing about that, but um, seemed a little bit too, too convenient. A little too convenient is all. So, yeah, I mean, that's totally fair. Obviously, I felt semi yeah, the same, yeah. but he he was supposed to be like the the foil. But I did like how yeah, yeah, yeah. how they brought Gladiator along to deal with him. What a fucking arc! What a fucking arc! Okay. I know we're going long, but again, like JoJo, this one's got a lot to talk about, so we're going to talk until we're done. Who cares? Um, I'm, so I'm done now. Glad <laughs> you're, you're, you're done now. You're just done now. Uh, for one question for you, though. Okay. One question that me and Cody had that we, we, we couldn't really wrap our heads around, um, and a theory that I have along with this question. The Gladiator, right? Awesome character arc. More like they the Gladiator. Manipul- <laughs> oh my god. Yes. Okay. So, the reason why uh, Johnny actually was the one who constructed the final plan, and he actually orchestrated a way to get Gladiator, a known hero. We're talking like the the Seven, the Justice League. We're talking like one of the top heroes known around the world. Um, he orchestrated a way to blackmail him into revealing that you know he's uh he's he 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 has a a boyfriend he's like actually went to go on a quote-unquote date with johnny bolt and he's like we have a bunch of pictures of you everyone thinks of you as just kind of this hetero model but he he leveraged that um reputation against him and said we'll delete we'll delete all these pictures if you come help us but also you're gonna like what we're going to do mr matt's an ex-head of the villain network and the Praetorian, who's the guy who disgraced you when he got caught for 57 accounts of abusing his authority in court and named you and a lot of them, we're going to go take them down. So we kind of have you by the balls, pun intended, but also what we're doing, you have a stake in. Brilliant play to get him on board. But in the place where they had the final battle, there was a superpower nullification technology that would basically erase superhero powers. So it's basically a brawl v. brawl, like fist v. fist versus the Praetorian and the Gladiator. It seemed like the Gladiator still had superhuman strength. What's that about? Isn't the Gladiator's power superhuman strength, or is the Gladiator just built different? Is he literally unpowered, but just as biologically different in a way? Because we talked about me and Cody said 
if super nullification technology exists, there must be some way to not only detect super superpowers with all their variants in some standardized way as to nullify them all, right? Like chakra or key or some unifying power system. But it didn't seem like the gladiator was subjected to that. Even with it all on. Yeah, I think. So what's up? I think we all just didn't follow the timing super close because. Maybe we didn't. Fair enough. Hit me with that. It was the the thing was off or else they wouldn't have been able to fight. But he brought him because he knew none of their powers were strong enough to actually fight the Praetorian. That that it may be. I just I think you're right. Maybe the power, the deep power off of the. um, I thought it turned back on. And that's why I thought that's why the Praetorian actually beat the shit out of everybody. No one used a single power in the sequence before the gladiator actually stepped up. In fact, the gladiator stepped back and smoked a cigarette and said, I've been waiting for you assholes to get your ass beat for a very long time. I might as well enjoy the show. And then once they all got their ass beat, no power to speak of from any of them, he enacted what seemed like super strength, punching Praetorian all the way down a hallway. We're talking 50, 60 yards. So what gives? I, I think Gladiator is actually special. He's got something different. I don't know. That's my theory. Mm, I don't know. I didn't really. Uh... That's just, the, I, I feel like I got to put a, a, a tinfoil hat on every episode at least for a little bit and that's my tinfoil yeah is that the gladiator's got he's got something different and cody had an interesting suggestion that maybe he had some kind of like captain america super soldier syndrome that or serum that went in and he's chemically powerful biologically powerful but not in the way that is detectable by these superpower nullification tech that's his theory i don't know I, who's this? It was who's to say? We're just. It was super it, not had, an important part, in my opinion, like that little piece of the puzzle. But uh, I, I know, I'm just, I'm just spitballing. I did like that he like stepped back and let let them get their shit rocked, and he's just like, yeah, you guys fucking, you deserve a comeuppance, you know? Yeah, cause he, cause he knew the thing you just said, which is totally true. The reason why Johnny brought him along wasn't necessarily just because Gladiator had a grudge. And he wanted just someone else that was at like a all might level strength, but he knew that he's one of the only, if not the only guy to be able to go up against and beat the Praetorian and gladiator caught onto this. He didn't participate much in the rest of the heist. And there's a reason if you notice everyone had a place except for the gladiator, he seemed to be tagging along or near everyone else who was playing their part. Right. And the moment, the Praetorian was in front of them because he knew he's, he knew they'd be there. The gladiator step that was his moment to step up, but the gladiator knew it. And he's just like, let that Siggy and just like, you know what? This is a, this is free fucking entertainment. Yeah. Why not? Right. Why not? You know? And that was so fun. That was so fun. Yeah, it was good. I, I, I liked, know. I liked his use. Like, you know, and I think that is something that is not common in like a, a, um, superhero versus villain kind of uh movie show whatever where where yeah, you like you, you yeah. like essentially tr- not really trick but sort of trick a a hero potentially like essentially tricking superman into coming with you and like having him help you 
but like he wouldn't really help you if you were like robbing the World Bank or whatever. But since you're robbing an evil right, person, right. he's like, ah, whatever. And then also you're like promising him essentially re- revenge. You know, I don't know. I I really really yeah, fucking enjoyed yeah. it. I I think that that just makes Gladiator that, that that much better of a character because he understood villains so well to understand that they understand the concept of a heist and its intricacies, right? That everyone has a part to play to achieve something greater than any of them can do on their own. So if he was brought along at all in a heist, and there was that moment where he even like uh, Johnny radioed to everyone like last team, last crew member achieved. And he's like, okay, so I am in this crew and they went out of their way to stage four different cameras to blackmail my ass just for me to get on the team. I must be here for a reason. And he used the Praetorian as the reason why I'm coming along. So, sure, I'll beat him. Doesn't mean he can't beat your ass first. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I really like that kind of, I guess, foil. <laughs> it was, it was a great, it was a great time. But I mean, all right. Any last final thoughts before we do it to him? Any, any last comment? Um, I don't know. I, I think just to quickly, I think verbally respond to, um bob man a little bit in in you know in our discord uh this is a a peek behind the curtain you know right which you can get which you can get into for one dollar and up on our patreon.com slash rubology continue yeah i mean he's just talking about like the show is written extremely well but he's just so mad at the fact that essentially carmine aka the heat and um johnny bolt are just two extremely selfish beings right because they really do do some like absolutely dumb shit. Um, but I think yeah. I, I don't think this is like supposed to be like something that's taken extremely seriously, right? Like I think this show is literally supposed to be like a, sort of like a fun heist like show, essentially like Great Pretender, but just with like a lot more sprinkled on, right? You don't you don't see like long cons or anything, and it's not like as in depth in the like pre stages of all of this stuff, obviously. Like, all the planning yeah. is done off screen. All the, like, really all the reconnaissance is done off screen, too. And we just get to see, like, nuts to butts action in terms of, like, the actual heist. But, like, I don't know. Johnny is pretty hard to care about because he's such a dumb fuck. And so is Carmine, really. Like, mm. like they make so much uh, money I- at the end. But then, you know, Carmine blows it all in literally, like, a month. Okay. All right. All right. But anyway, it's, so, it's to me, it's not it's not meant to be like I love all the characters. I want Johnny to get like all the good things. Like like he's not a good guy. That's kind of the whole point. He's a he's a like a dog chasing cars. He doesn't know what Yeah, he, yeah. He literally doesn't know what he would do if he caught one. He's like Joker, you know? Just fucks around yes. for no reason. Like literally uh, a decent um parallel in Dark Knight, Joker has a big ass pile of money just sitting in the middle, and he gets like I think mob bosses or something to come look at it, and they're like, "Whoa, this is sick!" And he literally just burns it in front of them for the for the fuck of it. Wow. Okay. It's kind of Hold like on. what Johnny I, th- Bolt does. There's 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 a lot there's a lot to unpack in that little bit, and I'll do what I can just to respond to Bombman, but also a bit to this perspective that there's a couple things where, okay, so. I like. I find it interesting, Bob. Man, I- I'm one. You're a great. You're a great student. You really are. 
you're a great foil for us, but I gotta call you out on the selfish thing. Uh, from a very surface level, they're fucking villains. Inherently, their makeup psychologically is selfish, but to go one deeper... Yeah, I think, I think his about- point, though, is like, Casey is such a good girl. Like, for being a villain, she's so good. And it's like, right. Like, Johnny is such a dickhead for doing anything bad to her because she literally has done nothing but good stuff. And, like, he's essentially abusing her by, like, making her take him back every time. You know what I mean? I I hear you. I, I do hear you. And that back and forth was actually quite a compelling character interaction in the show. But let's go a little surface deeper than selfish, where Carmine and Johnny. I want to remove the word selfish because I think that doesn't get to the heart of why he used those two characters. Shit Lord. And uh, uh, let's go. Okay. We'll find the middle between those two things. Cause I don't think they're shit Lords. Johnny is not a bad guy, but he's not a good guy. It's like you said, he's this benign force that chasing cars that he doesn't know what to do with once he catches one. But the point I'm trying to get at is villains in this show canonically are portrayed as risk takers some more than other but all the same risk takers johnny is a risk taker carmine is a risk taker because the final heist was only done five years after the mid scene because he was a risk taker at one of the biggest villains in the world's casinos and got fucking caught johnny in his bachelor party while drunk was convinced by his old crew to take a risk and do this weird offhand heist. Drunk all the same, sure, but a risk taker. And what happened when the final heist was constructed? Who was the last character to walk into the room of that team? And that was Casey, the woman that was already kind of out of the game. There's a whole scene in a diner where she said, I don't want anything fucking to do with you anymore, Johnny. And she comes to the aid of him to be part of his plan. Why? Because in this show, in this world, all villains are risk takers. They're not selfish. Some are, some aren't, but they're all probably dumb, but very big risk takers. So that's the string there. I don't think selfish is the right word, but risk takers is fair. And if that's frustrating because they keep going back every time, even though it failed in the past, sure, I can understand why that's kind of frustrating from a plot plot narrative, but fine. You know, so well, I think it's and, super re- realistic and fine to call Carmine selfish because he fucks up and then he goes to them and he's like, save me. Uh, fair, fair. Yeah, he pleads for I think Johnny's just a jackass, some action. which is crazy by, because by, he's like so suave and cool in the dub. He's like literally the sickest dude of all time. Oh, yeah, no. And in, uh, honestly, in the sub, too, amazing voice acting. Like, top-notch. Like, for him specifically, like, so on-brand with him. I did give I did give half an episode of Watch and Dub. Still, a fan, still, I wouldn't call it the most fantastic dub in the world, but solid enough that it's for sub-folk, you would enjoy it in dub. It's no combatants, but it's up there. Um, but yeah, man, like, I, actually, I, I'll vibe with you on that Carmine comment where, yeah, his selfishness does come in like he he got himself in a bind because of his risks and then pulled every asset he could to get into it and 
he's just a lucky. He's an old timer. He's a legend in the space. So they just happen to go with him. But you're right. They could have even said, fuck you. I don't want anything to do with you. And he's dead. So um, very selfish to drag everyone into probably the most dangerous situation of all time. But on the Joker comment, Joker burned that cash because his entire mantra was sending messages of anarchy and chaos. It was very aligned with this character and mantra and the message he was sending to the individuals he's working with. I don't think there's much of a correlation between the Joker and Johnny. Johnny did care about shit. He cared about it. He, he cared about the fidelity among some villains. He cared about some kind of code. He lived by some loose, but not uh, uh, effervescent level of rules. Like they weren't so nebulous. He can break them at any time without anyone knowing he did have some set of guidelines, right? The Joker's only guidelines was have no guidelines. Yeah, my, so, my point was that the reason that, uh, like, the chasing cars, he wouldn't know what he would do if he got one. Like, Joker... Right, right. Like, traditionally, you would think a villain's, like, whole goal is just to make that big score, right? But yeah. the Joker's willing to just burn it all for, like, the fuck of it, right? That's the point, is, like, you know, what what is Joker's car that he's chasing? There's like no actual answer to that question. Yeah. I, I think for, I think for the Joker versus like a Johnny or a Carmine is that the car he's chasing is just a, a, a world where every car is running into each other. Right. He wants to see every rule structure organization, be it big as society, small as a hospital, just in complete disarray to prove that his philosophy at the end of the day is everyone's philosophy when broken down or challenged hard enough. Johnny's Carmine's the villains in this show, they they basically want to go against the organizations, but they want basically they're not going to burn the money, right? They want to take from those organizations what they have, not out of malice or out of hatred for their philosophy, but they have it, we don't. We want to use it for our own means. And that's it. That's really it. So it's not like the Joker's is. Dude, like I'm obviously not saying they yeah. have the same fucking point. I'm just saying oh, it no, was no, no, one no, aspect. I, know. I don't know why no, no, we're digging know, know, so know, deep on the Joker point. <laughs> because it's fun. It's fun. There's a lot to talk about. Like when, when you talk about a show that dives into villains this much, you just look at every villain from what's his face from Old Country to No Men to uh, the Joker, as famous as he is. I mean, it, it, this show does a really good job of carving out a niche of villainy that I'm not really sure in some aspects it's been done before, but in a lot of aspects, I think we're seeing something pretty fresh here. Like it's something that I don't think it can deviate away from most other villains. And you may be able to draw associations to a couple. And that's the only reason why I dive into the Joker so much is to illustrate the point that I wanted to finish on was that this show, despite what I would consider all odds because they're nestling into a well-established genre and the superhero thing for the last like two or three years, I don't know. They just, they had this weird formula tweaking this here and there, some big, some small, but Super Crook stands out to me as, as a really good piece of media to dive into the humanity of villainy that I don't think at least in the anime space, we've seen, I wouldn't say ever, but 
in very rare, rare form. Yeah, I did. So. I did think the like one last thing from me before we rate it is they did show like the villain team was much more like a family than than the whatever yes. union of yes. justice or whatever the fuck it's called. Like, yeah, those guys were just all like jackass weirdos, stick up the asses, and then like our our little super crooks were just like chill family type people where they were like willing to help each other, like take risks for each other. But like you know, yes. the, the exact foil being Praetorian trying to pull down Gladiator as he's going down, right? Like, kind of like the yeah. infighting, and I think that's kind of what I think maybe My Hero Academia could take some, take some like uh, I guess nods from or some info from, Ooh. which would be like it'd be cool if there was like some sort of like inner conflict between the the major heroes, right? Like like I I mean you did have like Endeavor pissed at. Um, or, you know, I don't know if pissed is the right word, but like having some angst toward All Might because he's number one and he can't beat him, right? But it would have been interesting to see some like, you know, maybe under the table dealings to try to knock down the top five or whatever, right? Like, I I don't know. I think like maybe a little bit more of a realistic take on like heroes or maybe just like the pride that comes along with it, right? I don't know. I think that'd be a a fun addition to like a My Hero Academia. So I will say, before I read it, I will say, I did read ahead in the manga of My Hero Academia, and not in the way that you'd expect, you will be satisfied in that, in that mentality. There, there is an entire, I'd say like half arc, that goes exactly into what you're talking about, and I'll leave it at that. So. Cool. That's all I'm saying. I, I, look, look we're way i'm in spoiler territory we're we're back in the spoiler buffer according to you i can't i can't spoil it for you yeah well i didn't want you to spoil another show (laughs) i didn't spoil it i didn't spoil i just i just alluded to something i said no details please don't explode my head don't explode my head but listen hold on hold on we you know we gotta do it to him so we talked a lot of good things about this show a couple bad but what would you rate super crooks 97 casey is a queen out of a hundred. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I was going to say 90. I was going to say like 95 or 96 ATM broken into out of a hundred. So good. It's, it was just a fun ride. I literally, so for context, Ricky had messaged the discord probably at like, I don't know, 11, 12 PM or AM. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was 11 PM, 12 AM. And I literally watched, 10 straight episodes after that fat after that um like i could that, not put it down that's one of my tells if ethan binges a show irregardless of the time of day or night we have a fucking banger on our hands ethan is a seasoned binger and if i see him binging and he texts me the next morning like watch basically the whole thing last night oops yeah <laughs> <laughs> sorry um but yeah you know what thanks y'all for coming to this again once again extended classes we got these shows that are going deep and also fantastic that just make us want to talk all fucking day about these shows but this one's a real one and if you remember the, the ratings from last time we both gave it a substantially higher rating than the first part of jojo part six which i think should be telling this has everything you want if you're any semblance of anime or superhero fan you got superheroes you got villains you got smart writing, you got smart planning, you have really engaging characters, and you have bones backing the animation to boot 
and you know I'm a sucker for animation. So this has it all. This is this is going to be one of the most celebrated anime in the, in the last I would say couple of years. But you know that's just me. I mean getting, I'm getting I'm interested side. to see what the actual reception is going to be. I doubt a lot of people are going to rate it as highly as we did. Um, so that's why you know I think we should probably title this something like Super Crooks anime of the year nobody is talking about or something like that right where it's just like i like that i like that like zingy the, the, yeah and see what people say I, I don't know i guess we'll see um bob and needs to finish it and then tell us and then you know hopefully everyone else in the discord will let us know and you can message us in any of our links down in the description um instagram email twitter whatever what have you and then uh, obviously like, comment, subscribe for on YouTube and let us know. And then uh, do all the other things that people know how to do with links. <laughs> Holy shit. Did you just riff off an outro? I did. Did you just do the plug game? You know what? I'll leave it at that. That was sublime. Thank you for that. <laughs> you did my. You, you did what I, I... I don't know if we ever said I would be the one to do the plugs in the outro, but like... I just took it on, but I I appreciate you doing that. Hey, and thanks. This is a hot. Thanks, Jeff, for joining yeah. the, the uh, Patreon. Yes, Jeff with three Fs. I think it's three, right? Yes, not Jeff four, f- but three. Jeff, f- 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 thank you, Jeff, for coming into the Discord. We'll always uh, we're trying to be better about you know the new people in the Discord. will always get a shout out. Um, but yes, and you know what? Can I can I say uh, his lead in to the Discord? The picture he showed us. Sure. Yeah, he uh, he was basically the reason why I came into Discord was uh, he showed us his Spotify unwrapped for this year and we were his top listen podcast. I think it was like 63 episodes for 36,000 minutes. So you know what, Jeff, you're a real one. You're a student. You Hats off to you. You listen to it. Hats off to you. That's definitely averaging more than one a day. You listen to us like you mean it. And that is a real student in my eyes. So everyone take a lesson from Jeff. You listen and you go watch your anime. Do your homework, come to class. And until I am that weirdly aggressive professor that like you talk about with your friends after class, like he's kind of a dick, right? I'm Ricky. <laughs> and I'm Ethan. <laughs> and this has been Weebology. Deuces. Deuces. <laughs> I came off too mean like I was that professor everyone talks about like five years later. Yeah. <laughs>